As your interior designer, I'm saying do everything in black. Walls, sofa, carpet, goldfish, everything. Um, can we not have a bit of colour? Maybe one tiny highlight in Battleship Grey. It's your home, so you should be in charge. With Avancard's flexible home improvement loan, you are. You can choose any repayment period that works best for you up to 84 months. That's seven years. Find out more at avancard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. New applications only. Seven-year term applies to minimum loan value of €20,000. Avancard Dock Trading as Avancard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. As your interior designer, I'm saying do everything in black. Walls, sofa, carpet, goldfish, everything. Um, can we not have a bit of colour? Maybe one tiny highlight in Battleship Grey. It's your home, so you should be in charge. With Avancard's flexible home improvement loan, you are. You can choose any repayment period that works best for you up to 84 months. That's seven years. Find out more at avancard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. New applications only. Seven-year term applies to minimum loan value of €20,000. Avancard Dock Trading as Avancard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. What's going on, guys? It's your man with the plan, Samuel Plan, coming back at you with another instalment of Sports Entertainment is Dead right here on Lords of Pain Radio. Welcome to the show, ladies and gents. As always, if you did miss last week's show, my performance art review of Fastlane, you could still go check that out on demand, as you can all the other great shows here at Lords of Pain Radio. Just head over to Blog Talk Radio, to lordsofpain.net, or wherever it is you may uh, download your podcasts and make sure you catch up on all the great content we have coming your way here on LOPR. I'm not going to waste any time this week. We're going to jump right in because we're going to be here for a little while. As you know, we are now, what, three weeks less than away from WrestleMania? Certainly this, uh, I only have this and two other shows to go before we hit the big show, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. And I've been advertising what I'm going to be doing on this show for some weeks now. For those of you who are long-time listeners or regular listeners of SEID, you will know that this week I've decided to sit down with another real-time watch-along after my real-time watch-along of the 2009 Royal Rumble match back in January was such a hit. And what I've decided to do is share with you something that I always thought I would write in a column one day, but... The podcast, if anything, is a better platform to do this. And what I want to do is, we're going to sit and watch today the match The Undertaker wrestled with Shawn Michaels at the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania, followed by the match The Undertaker wrestled with Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 26. By the way, off the top here, just to tell you, I am doing this in two separate recordings uh, because I just don't have the endurance to watch them back-to-back. So feel free to watch them separately, though I do, if you have the ability, if you have the tenacity, I advise watching them back-to-back because I do think that, well, as as we'll find out, I think you, you almost lose a certain rhythm if you watch them separately, but that's how I'm recording it, so feel free to watch it that way as well, of course. We're going to be doing this real-time watch-along to explore the idea that I've had for some years now, and I I can't quite remember when I first came up with it, but I suppose it would be sometime after WrestleMania 28, that these two matches this week, and the two matches The Undertaker would then wrestle with Triple H at WrestleMania 27 and 28, which we'll do real-time watch-alongs for next week, that they form one long overarching narrative that I have christened the Tetralogy, Uh, a name derived from the four plays William Shakespeare once wrote to form an overarching narrative, Richard II, Henry IV, Parts 1 and 2, and Henry V. And I see this very much as wrestling's answer to that. Um, Because what you have here, and and this is a key, key example of how 
when you watch wrestling's performance site and accept that sports entertainment is dead, it becomes more about what the matches achieve regardless of what they intended. I'm going to be making some big interpretations over the next two shows, and it, you should know from the top of the of this first show that I'm not contending these things were done on purpose, just that they were achieved nonetheless. That the story wasn't consciously designed this way, that's how it turned out all the same anyway. It's going to be a lot of fun, I'm very excited to do this with you guys, I hope you enjoy it. Um... Let's start, first of all, I guess before we jump into the first match, and again, I don't want to take too too much time here because these are 30-minute long matches and then everything else around it as well is important. We're going to be watching the pre-match packages, the post-match shenanigans, the entrances. It's all part of the storytelling here. It's not just window dressing, which you'll find as we go along. But it's it's worth saying that the tetralogy as a whole is a story that deals with some big themes. It deals with themes of mortality, of vanity, of the very fleeting nature of the human condition. This is watching wrestling as performance art at its pinnacle. So just roll with the punches here and and see what you think. And I would love to know what you think at the far end of the show. I'll plug it now so that I can just dash off at the end. Uh, you could catch me on Twitter at LOP Plan. Look me up on Facebook, Samuel Plan on there. You can join LOP forums. It's free to sign up and reach me on there or leave a comment on any of the posts of mine on lordsofpain.net, whether it be the post advertising this podcast or any of my columns. Or alternatively, if you're old school, you could drop me an email, samuel.plan101 at gmail.com. Let me know your own thoughts on what I'm going to explain to you as we go along with these matches and also you know, what What you feel your own self about these matches, what your version of these matches would be, because I'd be interesting, interested to hear what those are as well. Okay, so with that being said then, uh, there's nothing stopping us jumping in to this epic journey of ours that we're going to be going on. First thing to say is that, as I sort of mentioned in passing, the the storytelling for this tetralogy goes beyond bell-to-bell time. Uh, the entrances, the post-match stuff, the commentary, uh, which obviously, you know, for the most part, I'll probably be talking over. Um, but also the, the pre-match hype packages, it's all part of the storytelling. So the first thing is, this pre-match hype video package for WrestleMania 25 it's a fascinating thing, and it immediately sets up some of the major themes that are going to play out over the course of this story, over the course of these four matches. The The whole story begins with the graphic that they show ahead of the video package, um, where JR basically says uh, this was a match initiated by Mr. WrestleMania. And that's very important, just that little line of commentary is very important, because what you're going to see, when this, when you sit down and you watch this video package in just a second, um, I want you to pay attention to, to certain uh, verbiage, certain things that are said. Uh, Shawn Michaels very much talks in this video package, narrates in this video package in a state of elation after having come out of the JBL saga. He talks about how he's living heaven on earth, he talks about WrestleMania being on the horizon, and what you suddenly begin 
to realise when he says if anyone should face the Undertaker at the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania, you're looking at him, that we're immediately in a state of vanity from the very beginning of this journey, which is so much about uh, human vanity. We start off in that state. This is Shawn Michaels. He's on cloud nine. He's overcome adversity, but he has no real reason to do this other than the desire to do this. There's no overriding motivation here. This is breaking the streak for the streaks, breaking the streaks' sake. This is the desire to achieve for the sake of achieving. And that vanity then goes one step further once you get into the second half of the VT, and and certainly when we get to the entrances, when Sean begins to invoke notions of divine destiny, presenting himself as an angel to the Undertaker's uh, demon. And he talks about how he has victory over death, hell, and the grave. Those are his his words as he quotes the the holy book. And what you find is that you get this, from the off here, this idea of fantasy. Because as much as this is rooted in in the simple athletic achievement of I'm going to beat a guy who's undefeated at WrestleMania, there are heavily fantastical elements at play through this story. And we start off in that state. Because The Undertaker talks about how for 16 WrestleManias they have come and for 16 WrestleManias they have fallen. Shawn Michaels talks about you may be undefeated at WrestleMania, but I am Mr. WrestleMania. And as the images flash across the screen to very dramatic music, what you find is the streak is being presented as this augmentation of the undertaker that makes him even more powerful than he normally is and mr wrestlemania is presented as an idea as a mental state as the next level of human performance i guess it's you know if you're a comic book nerd it's kind of like seeing captain america in that scene in infinity war that riffs off a scene in the comics where he grabs thanos's hand and it's and it's a one-on-one situation that's what this essentially is in essence in its on its conceptual level uh, this is Shawn Michaels entering with supreme confidence fully aware that you know he knows he thinks he knows important important to make that distinction he thinks he knows what the streak is all about and he has every confidence that his abilities as Mr WrestleMania will trump it so he he starts playing Undertaker his own game. He's confident of victory, but he's only confident of victory because he is in this virginal state. He's never wrestled the Undertaker at WrestleMania, and he doesn't know what he's about to let himself in for. So with all that being said, I want you to bear those thoughts in mind. I'm going to pause for a second. I'm going to let you watch the video package. Cue it up. Get it watched. When you have finished, cue up. Time index, 1 hour, 52 minutes, 29 seconds, which is where I currently have the video paused. Should be an image of Sean and The Undertaker facing off against one another. When you're at that point, pause the video, come back to the podcast, press play again, and I'll count us down and we'll get we'll get started. Okay, so I hope you got a little bit more out of that video package, bearing in mind what I said. And let's jump headlong in. As I said, 1 hour, 52 minutes, 29 seconds. On the word go, I want you to press play and we'll get going. So, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, go. There's probably going to be, by the way, periods of of silence uh, during this little experiment because there's going to be points at which I'm just not going to have anything to say. So, uh, But hell, we're watching wrestling together, right? So what does it matter if I'm talking or not talking? 
Um, so all that stuff that I was saying then um, in the VT uh, about, you know, Sean seeks to play the Undertaker at his own game, that notion of supreme confidence... You get it straight away here. Look, he he comes he comes down on this. He's he's literally put himself on a pedestal. This is there were you know the interesting thing is you saw clips of it in the VT. Shawn Michaels sort of captured a, a certain impishness that he hadn't had since the late nineteen nineties during the build to this, and you get a sense of that arrogance and that vanity and like I said that supreme confidence playing a part here as he descends from the heavens. He has anointed himself. As the as a conqueror, essentially, not to borrow Paul Heyman's words, uh, and you know he's dressed in the white coat and the white hat, uh, and the the pyro goes up here, and then there's the symbolism of this gesture. In just a second, you hear the music stop, and the usual Shawn Michaels music kicks up. The crowd pops. He starts dancing and doing his usual routine. The symbolism of that moment shouldn't be lost on you. First of all, he anoints himself as, uh, you know, this supremely confident conqueror, as someone who has absolute, not just faith, but absolute certainty that his state as Mr. WrestleMania will trump the streak. And so he descends from the heavens in that state, and then he sheds it. He sheds all of the mind games. He sheds all of the veneer. He sheds all of the verbosity. He's basically telling The Undertaker, or showing The Undertaker, I don't need to do what you need to do to win, because I'm better than you. You know, and we and we jump into, uh, I'm a bit bunged up, folks, so, so bear with me through this thing, but, you know, we jump into the, the pyro and the ring introductions, um, and it's just, a, it's, it's, it's going to be a tricky one to talk about this one, folks, because this is the first chapter in a four-chapter story, and so much of this story, as it progresses, is heavily dependent upon uh, what had come before. So, like, the stuff that we're going to pick apart in, say, WrestleMania 27 is only there because of what we've seen at WrestleMania 25 and WrestleMania 26, but obviously I don't have that, we don't have that element to this part of the story, so it's going to be interesting to see you know, how that plays out. And it's also worth saying that I've never actually sort of sat and watched through these matches and kind of spoken about them in real time as well, so I don't actually know, you know, how much how much of a wealth of material there is in this first one particularly. Um, I mean, I should say from the off here that I don't have affection for this match like a lot of people do because I find that its narrative is a little bit more jumbled than the ones that come later. I feel like the action's a little bit more haphazard. It's a little bit more... Un- it lacks a certain focus in the first half that the other matches don't lack. And I think that a part of that is because this story really found its feet... Uh, as it as it went along, obviously when they did this match, they had no idea. They must have had an inkling of what they let themselves in for, but they had no idea it was going to turn into the behemoth that it then went on to turn into. You know, spawning one, two, three sequels, even an indirect fourth sequel against CM Punk in a way. Um, and if I had more time, I might even have, have sat and done that. Now, I've just spoken over that, but the gongs just sounded. You can hear it now, the gong going off in the background, the familiar blackout interrupts Sean's music. There's no pause, there's no break between the two entrances. The Undertaker is responding to Sean's symbolic gesture. Uh, And what's interesting is, you're going to see a contrast with this in later iterations, uh, sorry, later chapters of this match. There you see The Undertaker, you know, the symbolism of of him rising from underneath. 
I love that that shot right there, by the way. I've always wanted that blown up on a canvas. I think it's a beautiful piece of cinematography. But The Undertaker, you know, Sean's come out. He said, I don't need to do what you need to do to win. Because he has this supreme confidence. But one of the reasons, I think, why this story that we're going to see escalates so rapidly is because just as Sean has supreme confidence, so too does The Undertaker. There's a sense of bullishness about the fact that The Undertaker is coming out and doing his usual thing. And he isn't he isn't responding to Sean's symbolic gesture. You know, all the mind games, the dressing up in the white coat, it's child's play to The Undertaker. It's it's a bit silly. It just makes Sean look like he's overplaying his hand. And one wonders whether in The Undertaker's mindset Maybe Shawn Michaels is playing those games because although he puts on the veneer of supreme confidence, maybe that supreme confidence isn't there. And that raises an interesting issue. It raises the interesting issue of whether or not the state of Mr. WrestleMania being a mental state, as I described earlier, whether it's possible for someone like Shawn to work themselves as much out of that as it is to work themselves into that. And if it's not there, does he really have anything? What we're going to find unfold over the course of this incredible story is that the streak creates a different version of The Undertaker. On any other day of the year, The Undertaker is phenomenal. He is the phenom. He is an otherworldly force that on your best day, you still might not be able to defeat. That's what The Undertaker is. He's beyond anything we know in this world. And that's every single day of the year except one on WrestleMania Day. Because on WrestleMania Day, at least at this point in his in his life, The Undertaker had the streak. And on WrestleMania Day, when the streak is in play... Excuse me. <coughs> Blimey. I'm already getting excited. Sorry for that, folks. But on WrestleMania Day, when the streak is in play, as I was saying, he's augmented. He's even more powerful. He's even more dominant. And that's a frightening thought, isn't it? A frightening thought. So you have all this psychological warfare going on, indicative through the entrances, indicative through the VT, indicative through the commentary, already in play, and The Undertaker hasn't even made it to the ring. This is this is true performance art. This is what I, the kind of wrestling that I live for. I have to say, it's overwrought. Yes, it's melodramatic. Yes, it's perhaps a little theatrical. Yes, but it's fantastic. By the way, we're missing a lot of of good stuff on commentary here as well. The commentary is kind of dire generally, but the some of the stuff they say adds to the story. Obviously, I can't do this while listening to the commentary at the same time. Neither can you, but I very much encourage you, maybe not straight away, but once we've got to the end of this journey, to one day go back, revisit these matches with everything we're going to explore in mind, uh, but but paying that extra attention to the commentary as well, because it does add another layer to this storytelling. I love the stroke of thunder as The Undertaker takes his takes his uh, his hat off. I got distracted there for a second, because that shot of Shawn Michaels is very telling. He's 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 totally unimpressed. I mean, you have to admire, as retrospectively, 
silly as it proves to be, you have to admire that supreme confidence. It's a phrase I keep using because I think it's perfectly descriptive. But Sean is not phased in the slightest. Pay attention here to the positions that they're in in the ring. That's going to be important in one of the later matches. The Undertaker on the left, Shawn Michaels on the right. The Undertaker is very much the hunter in this match, even though Shawn is blissfully unaware of that fact. And it's no surprise then that they start off in that guise. The Undertaker, he's he's being the predator. And Shawn, just, he just gets that one little licking. He gets that one little chopping. He makes the statement. He's not going to be intimidated. The Undertaker swings, he misses, and we get a double tap. It's it's a gradual gameplay beginning to unfold, and Sean he's you know he's dancing on his feet, as supremely confident as Sean is. You, you know he has a, a certain you could tell that there's a respect for the danger of the Undertaker. And by the way, did you catch that then? Sean kind of tilted with onto his left leg. He angled ever so momentarily on his left leg. Was that just pure accident, or was it the first of uh, uh, the first element, the first shot fired in a psychological war where he's basically just reminding, just giving the Undertaker a little reminder of of Switcher music? And then you see the Undertaker; he's already adapting. He's caught Sean's right hand. That's important in itself. Remember what I was saying: the streak is an augmented state for the Undertaker. And in all the matches Sean and the Undertaker wrestled in the past, that little routine they had from the start that would last for a much longer period of time. But the Undertaker's augmented here and very quickly manages to block that right hand. Content is coming at a pace. You saw Sean a few moments ago do the DX. Suck it sign after the Undertaker launched him over the top rope in that augmented state. Followed by a little tease of an injured leg, just like we've seen in the past with Sean in that famous Jericho feud. Sean's calling on all his experiences, but every single question he's posing of the Undertaker, the Undertaker is responding. And those punches have more weight. The throws have more strength. Sean is being tossed already side to side. He's already on his back. Wrestling the Undertaker when he's possessed by the streak, and I think possessed is very much the right word, is not unlike wrestling Brock Lesnar today. And there is, a, there is I think, a deliberate narrative in that as well, by the way. But that's what you're seeing. You know, it's it's in tone and in visuals, it isn't too far removed from what you'd see from a Suplex City match. Sean came out, he's defiant, supremely confident, firing on all cylinders, drawing on his experiences, but with one shot, with one throw, with one punch, the Undertaker is able to countermeasure. And he more importantly, he's he seems stronger, he seems faster. There again, a simple Irish rip turns Sean upside down into a huge back body drop. Everything just has that little bit extra to it than you normally see. Everything, it's all a little bit higher. It's a little bit stronger. It's a little bit more impactful. And that's because the streak is in play. And Sean is discovering the true extent of that as well. And again, you know, I mean, you don't see this power game from The Undertaker very often at this point in his in his timeline as a character. And the reason you're seeing it here, I keep banging on about it. I'm going to keep banging on about it. This is a 30-minute match. We're barely five minutes in. It's because of the streak. He is stronger. He's faster. He's, he's Thanos wearing the Infinity Gauntlet. And Sean is discovering that. So what we're going to see is whether or not the the, the, the mental state that Sean gets him in, his own... His own augmented state, essentially, his his super science state, if you like, if you're a Dragon Ball Z fan, I'm not, but I know that that's a good comparison, so I'm going to use it. You know, we're going to see whether or not that's able to withstand this early onslaught. I'm just going to take a sip of tea here. Which is well-timed, because there's not much to say as The Undertaker 
climbs the ropes for old school, and nails Shawn Michaels. This first match, even though there's not a lot in the way of kind of those those uh, those performance art moments, because it's the first chapter, it's still important to pay attention of everything that's happening because there are very conscious callbacks to a lot of the content in each one of these matches. And uh, we're seeing now The Undertaker, you know, having... He's kind of settled in. He'd found a deliberate pace. And then Shawn Michaels begins to to fight back somewhat. That Mr. WrestleMania mental state is now now beginning to kick in. One wonders whether there needed to be a bit of a warm-up or whether Shawn was just perhaps a little taken aback by what the uh, by what the streak has facilitated in The Undertaker as a performer. Uh, but... You you get a sense even on Shawn Michaels' part that everything has that little extra, uh, that little that just that little bit extra strength behind it, that little bit of 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 zing to it, um, and I I like the fact that Shawn very early on is breaking out moves that became huge centerpieces to his past experiences as Mister WrestleMania. This hark backs to the Ric Flair match. I'm not sure whether he actually uses it in the Ric Flair match, this inverted figure four leg lock, but it was a huge centerpiece in the build-up to that match, to that career-threatening match. And you get the sense here that there is no love between Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker, at least not at this point. Like I said at the top, this is achievement for achievement's sake. And Shawn is, is already pulling out all the tricks of his famed experiences as Mr. WrestleMania to try and better The Undertaker, which raises the question, how familiar is The Undertaker going to be with this? If you want to talk about about studying tape, if you want to talk about preparing for an opponent, and I'm not entirely certain how much, especially a streak-possessed Undertaker, ever felt a need to do that. But if he did do that, then there, there isn't much more prolific background than that of Mr. WrestleMania, right? Those tapes have been poured over by thousands of people, thousands and thousands of times. So you've got to think that The Undertaker was prepared for this sort of thing. And it makes sense for Sean to be going for the leg, but it's quite a mundane game plan. It's a mundane game plan, and I say that because what we'll see unfold in later chapters as The Undertaker lifts Sean up here and works that leg off and drives Sean again, there's that extra zing behind it, winding Sean Michaels. Um, you know, it's a mundane game plan because... The action in these matches escalates chapter upon chapter upon chapter until by the time you get to WrestleMania 28, it isn't stylized at all. It's just vicious. Um, and so, I mean, if, if you've got good memories of that Hell in a Cell match, you can already see a contrast uh, between that and this match in the sense that the WrestleMania 28 one is so guttural and so much about tone over content. And this one is very content-heavy instead. You know, it's about the action. It's about what the two men are doing. But I think if you were to get really micro, microcos, microcosmic, is that the right word? I'm not sure. If you were to get really pedantic about picking this match apart, so far we actually haven't seen anything that I think warrants calling it the greatest match of all time. But that's a story for another another day. We're here to engage with the fiction more than, more than anything else. The Undertaker, I mean, I'm not sure how old the match is at this point. Maybe about five, six, seven minutes, something like that. Um, but we're already seeing, um, you know, the the kind of a, an exhaustive amount of action in the sense that both men are already moving towards those big game-changing moments. And I don't think necessarily that in this case that is a deliberate choice 
from either competitor. I, I don't think either one of them. I think they continue to... I mean, there's a cross-face again. Sean drawing on his Mr. WrestleMania experience this time from WrestleMania 20. But I don't think that, that either one of them are moving to these huge gestures this early because of a of a fear or a respect for the ability of the other. I think they're simply doing it because they're, they've already dished out so much of what they normally dish out at a faster pace they normally do it. Uh, and the other guys absorbed it and absorbed it and absorbed it. You're seeing it. This is essentially one long exercise in in breaking the ice. The streak meets Mr. WrestleMania and the two have sort of spend the time taking blows from one. It's a sparring session almost in the grand scheme of this story uh, because they, you know, they, they take the best that each one has to throw and they absorb it and endure it all inside the first 15 minutes of this match. I'm going to take another sip of tea. I mean, you heard there Jerry Lawler say, you know, look at the strength of The Undertaker getting back to his knees. We've seen The Undertaker commit to big feats of strength. But again, we're, we're thinking about how these these little moments unintentionally contribute to a wider narrative. That, that wider narrative is the augmentation of the streak. We could take a little creative license and interpretation here and say that, you know, when The Undertaker is locked in a crossface, drawn upon... By, uh, uh, sorry, applied by Mr. WrestleMania and drawn upon from that man's experience, that, that's going to be more than just a regular crossface. I think that was reflected in the angle at which it was applied. So the Undertaker, in response, being able to counter the way he did, again, demonstrative of the augmented uh, state in which this match plays out. And it's it's fascinating watching the, the tit-for-tat between those two augmented states, between those two super-powered beings. Sean, you know, with the kick, straightens the Undertaker up, dodges the counterpunch, nails a couple of chops, gets his flying forearm, and even that is drawn upon the experience of Mr. WrestleMania, courtesy of WrestleMania 8 in his match against Tito Santana, who used that move as his finish. And just as the Undertaker a few moments ago had ran the gamut of his biggest Offense, which got absorbed by Mr. WrestleMania. Now we're seeing the streak absorb the, 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 the most prominent offense of Mr. WrestleMania himself. Although, tellingly, Sean's had to put a few extra bits into his own routine. You know, he wasn't able to move quite so linearly through his regular, uh, his, his regular cadre of moves like The Undertaker could. He had to throw in an extra chop. He had to throw in an extra... Uh, move off the ropes, he had to throw in an extra atomic drop, all just to get to the elbow that would normally be followed by the atomic drop, which would normally be followed by the uh, kip-up. I think that's the usual routine. Anyway, the point being, I mean, there, again, the Undertaker setting up. If this were were a tug-of-war, you can feel the middle of the rope inching inch by inch towards the side of the Undertaker here. And there's that little signal again. And one wonders whether Sean overplayed his hand by by tilting on the axis a little too early. Maybe that prepare, maybe that little reminder, which was probably designed in the beginning of the match that I mentioned to be a, a, a just a, a little a little kind of signal to the Undertaker. Maybe it jogged the Undertaker's memory. Maybe it made him a little bit more cautious than he might have otherwise been. One wonders whether Sean losing that little exchange there in the Hell's Gate was his own fault by telegraphing the switch and music a little too early on in the in the conflict. But a rapid series of events there. Again, you're seeing that 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 tug of war. 
things are beginning to escalate now. Things are beginning to get bigger. The the the, the fluidity in this match is definitely to be admired, even by people who aren't who are perhaps a little less enamoured with it than most. And Sean, you know, withdraw uh, withstanding the uh, the Hell's Gate, uh, a big moment in and of itself. Though of course one would expect it uh, because it's 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 Mister WrestleMania. And, uh, you know, The Undertaker, again, he's moving through some more familiar routines here. I mean, a lot of the content is 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 shockingly ordinary in the first half of this match. You're not seeing them do much in the way of stuff that you wouldn't normally see them do. But again, I think, like I've been saying, I think that plays nicely into the story. It sets it apart from the chapter's that are to come, and it's exactly what you'd expect from a first encounter between the two at WrestleMania, right? They're, they're, they're doing stuff that normally wins them the day, only to find that in this instance, it can't win them the day. Even though you are seeing the odd counter that wouldn't normally come, like Sean there dodging the uh, dodging the leg drop, and then being able to baseball slide The Undertaker down to the ground on the outside. And you can already see the exhaustion. I mean, these two men have already been through enough that would have defeated most other opponents. But this is WrestleMania night, and as I keep saying, these two are on another level when it comes to WrestleMania night. And we're about to see another example of why that is. As Sean clambers up to the top of, and he's again, you know, losing funny little moments like that, accidental though they may be. And the under, I love that the way that the Undertaker just sidesteps and swats Shawn Michaels onto the floor contemptuously. You know the 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 mental awareness of the Undertaker to know what's coming. One wonders again whether that's because of the prolific nature of the library of work of Mr. WrestleMania, famous as it is, or whether that's just because the Undertaker was baiting Shawn Michaels in. That speaks to the natural instincts of Shawn uh, that he he can't help but take risks like that. That's how he functions. Uh, and that naturally, if nothing else, puts him at a disadvantage against an Undertaker who has a lot more of a grounded game, a lot more of a of a of a strength game. And of course, now we begin the ominous countdown to the moment that I think completely bars this from any greatest of all time uh, discussion because it is ultimately a botch, uh, but that a lot of people say adds to the drama. Sean, look at Sean's body language there. I mean, I love the shot with the Undertaker rising up in the background, but look at Sean's body language. He's grabbing the referee. He's shaking his head. He's telling the referee not to bother. He's grabbing the referee, and one and you just know that this is this isn't by accident. You know that he has a hold of the referee like that on purpose. You know that he's that he's trying to he's baiting the Undertaker in, and there he goes. And the Undertaker, yeah, he uh, he almost kills himself. I forget how uncomfortable that is to see, actually. Um, it's interesting and this is something that I hadn't considered before to see Sean's instincts take over and him crash and burn and then arguably the Undertaker's instincts take over and him crash and burn he usually saves that for Wrestlemania he didn't need to do it at the time Sean was already kind of on the back foot maybe the Undertaker second guessed that Sean was was baiting him if he did he he underestimated Sean's ability there's so much the, the psychology is is so complex that as augmented as the physicality is it drives home the fact that the mentality is still very much human that there is still human instincts that they are still capable of making human mistakes and the 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 ultimate decider comes down to 
you know, which augmented physicality can withstand more uh, of the usual punishment than the human mind is, is designed to endure. And we see now the, uh, the, the, the first real crack in that, 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 uh, that mindset of Mr. WrestleMania, because, you know, 24, 23, 22, 21, doesn't matter which other WrestleMania it was, 12, whatever, I doubt we would have ever seen Shawn Michaels sit there and try and desperately gain himself a count-out victory. At least after his return in 2002. The fact that he's willing to do that, I think, isn't so much gamesmanship as perhaps it is a recognition that he's beginning to recognise now, you know, he's beginning to understand now what the streak is. He's, we've been about 15 minutes into this thing now, and Sean's beginning to, to really fully understand, for real, what the towering, uh, you know, the, the towering uh, challenge that breaking the streak really is. Uh, which again is a story we're going to, you know, this idea that the streak is a living thing that possesses the Undertaker is going to come heavily into play in, in, in later chapters in this story as well. So do keep bearing that one in mind. <clears throat> Do keep bearing that one in mind uh, as we as we go along. You know this is in stark contrast to the uh, to the the supreme confidence I was talking about at the top of the show, at the top of the match. You know Shawn Michaels has gone from being completely unimpressed by the Undertaker's usual ring game to literally being on his hand on his knees here, head in his hands, desperate. For a count-out victory. He's desperate for a count-out victory. He's begging for it. He's literally begging for it. I mean, how far we've come in a 15-minute journey. They've exhausted their usual ring game. We've been through the entire duration of what would be an ordinary match. And the streak, unwilling to be broken. Stumbling. Falling. And to the chagrin of Mr. WrestleMania... Who now ends up on the in the same position he ends up in as he prays to the good Lord at the start of the match. One wonders if he's begging for divine intervention at this point. But it's very clear that the mindset that Sean had going in has dissolved and is now being replaced by a little desperation. But then on the on the look of Sean there, you could see anger, indignity, fury. The righteous fury of a man who believes he's destined to do this. So again, that theme of vanity now beginning to come into play as we head into the climactic final half. And the Undertaker dodges it. There's the streak. Choke slam. The streak has reanimated the Undertaker from what should have been a match-ending, streak-breaking, career-ending moment. And by the way, that choke slam, as you hear the announcers lose their minds over a kick-out to a choke slam that we usually see, uh, that choke slam again had a little bit of height, a little bit more on it than you'd normally see. Testament to Mr. WrestleMania's own endurance here. And again, you're now seeing the tug of war shift back in favour of Shawn Michaels. The irony being that it seems to be happening when either one of them is on the back foot. This is much about, it's that Rocky speech from Rocky Balboa. It's not about how hard you can hit, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forwards. And how much Mr. WrestleMania and the streak allow Shawn Michaels and the Undertaker Undertaker respectively to absorb instinct battling with instinct 
The Undertaker going back to a well, perhaps because he doesn't know what else to do. And Sean tenacious, tenaciously lands switch in music. And that tenacity um, would obviously, at WrestleMania 26, a year later, grow into obsession. And you can see the seeds of that obsession being planted in this match, in this final half in particular. Sean feels like it's within grasp. He knows he can do this. He's seen The Undertaker make an instinctive mistake. He's proven to himself he can endure some of the harshest punishment that a streak-boosted Undertaker can dish out. Sean is beginning to taste the ending of the streak being within the realms of possibility. You're seeing a mental journey unfold. From a man who is supremely confident about his ability to defeat the streak to a man desperate to get a count out for fear of, of, uh, of, uh, of not being able to beat the streak to now being furious at the fact that he, you know, it's it's like it's like the stages of denial almost. Like he's in denial. He he refuses to accept that he cannot win this match. Undertaker grabs Sean by the throat, rises again from the dead. That's going to be such a powerful image when we get to WrestleMania 27. So again, make sure you're paying attention to all these small moments of imagery. Again, Battle of Instinct, Sean counters the last ride, but there's the streak again. The streak simply will not be denied. It is impenetrably, insurmountably powerful. Last ride, little extra something on it. But Mr. WrestleMania ends yours. And now it's The Undertaker's turn to sense the desperation that Sean sensed. And again, watch that image there, right there. The Undertaker leaning back on the bottom rope, eyes to the sky, throwing a fit. Watch it on the replay. He nails it. Gets the two count. His reaction. Watch his reaction. And that image of him laying back on the bottom rope. Again, I want you to keep that image in mind for next week when we get to the Triple H WrestleMania 27 match particularly. All these little interactions become refrains through the course of this story. So it's so important for have, to have them ingrained on your memory. And here you go, The Undertaker. Desperation. You know, you would never see The Undertaker normally normally do that, let alone a streak-augmented Undertaker. The fact that he is driven to that because of his inability to best Mr. WrestleMania, to break Mr. WrestleMania, even though he's he's kind of, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's cracked the glass, he's just not shattered it. But the fact that he's he's you know that that is to the Undertaker to Undertaker's match here what the count out moment was to Shawn Michaels match, you know you're seeing them both go on this torturous mental journey their bodies ravaged with pain but still being propelled forwards by those augmenting superpowers. Mr. WrestleMania on one side, and look how the positions have shifted. Sean now on the left, un- uh, on the left, Undertaker on the right. Hunter and Hunter may be switching places, but perhaps not. Perhaps not. You're seeing an escalated form of warfare here. You know, Undertaker thinks he gets the best of Sean. Sean thinks he gets the best of the Undertaker. The Undertaker gets the best of Sean. Streak and Mr. WrestleMania locked in in a in a tussle for power 
And of course, still, Shawn Michaels kicks out. And another image that we'll see repeated later in the story there is the Undertaker wide-eyed looks on in disbelief. Because remember, Shawn Michaels has a victory over death, hell, and the grave. So the tombstone obviously isn't going to work. Here they are there, getting really into this thing. It's easy to forget just how intoxicating a match this was on the night. You could see the crowd are all on their feet. Sean not moving, barely breathing, but propelled on still forwards by this force, this otherworldly force of his own that continues to, to drive him forwards. And look at The Undertaker, just on his knees. Like, when's the last time you ever saw The Undertaker like that? On his knees, searching mentally for an answer to a question he's never been asked before. There is no emptiness, there is focus, says JR. And you can hear there JR on commentary um, embracing the otherworldly nature of this match. You know, the fact that, like I said, this is, it may not seem it, but this is wrestling fantasy dressed up in a more, in a, in a sort of a grittier, more reality based, uh, uh, genre, you know, it's it's a, it's it it looks like a purely competitive match, but it's one that that is actually dealing in in wrestling high fantasy. As Sean, you know, I mean, just the 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 kind of, and I keep saying this, I know, but the but the kind of instinctive reactions that they're having at this stage to have, you know. Talking about the match as it's happening and watching it unfold and seeing the way that the body language just gradually sort of melts away into this kind of fatigued state is really gives you a fresh appreciation of the sense of, of journeymanship that there is in this match. The sense of someone, uh, of two men actually, going from this state of utter self-belief and just dissolving away into this state of doubt and anxiety and exhaustion being driven forward by a force they probably couldn't even begin to explain and most certainly do not understand. As Sean makes that longer scent, he almost falls backwards, gets his balance, and he nails the elbow for the second time in the match, I think. And the Undertaker prone in that usual state. It's almost like Sean doesn't know where he is. I'll rephrase that. I think Sean knows exactly where he is, but it's like he doesn't understand what's possessed him. He doesn't understand. It's like there's someone else looking out from behind his eyes, and that someone else is Mr. WrestleMania, wanting so desperately to be the one to break the streak. Tuning up the band playing what Mr. WrestleMania hopes is the final verse of The Undertaker's vaunted streak. A curtain call for the dead man. The kiss of Mr. WrestleMania's legacy. Slamming, slapping into the jaw of the streak. And the streak devours it. 
Tremendous stuff. Doesn't have uh, quite the same effect on me as it used to. I mean, on the night I was jumping out of my chair. It's you know, it's it's worth me saying that. I, and this, by the way, the space between the moves and the exchanges now is becoming more and more difficult for me to fill all the dead time. But like I say, we're watching wrestling, so it doesn't really matter that much, I guess. But um, yeah, on the night I was. Uh, I hope you don't mind me just filling a bit of fluff here. I was literally leaping out my chair. Uh, we, there was like about seven of us watching it in this one tiny living room, and I was and I was on a like a computer desk chair, leaping out of it with every kick out. So it got me on the night. I think it just it lacks uh, a certain robust. You could see the join in the middle. You know, it's not like a Bret Hart match that just imperceptibly draws you in. You can very much see the the join in the middle, and it goes from being a relatively straightforward match in its content to being this. Like I say, wrestling fantasy in the latter half, as you see the the subtext of <clears throat> of their uh, it's not even their characters really, but as their their sidekicks, the streak of Mr. WrestleMania taking possession of them, and that really takes on a very literal image here as they begin to duke it out in the center of the ring. Every weapon they have exhausted. It basically, now this is them scrapping in the mud and the rain and the dirt clawing at one another because they've got nothing left to give. And even now, the big boot, the way Sean sells it, you know, even now indicative of every move of the Undertaker is having a little bit something extra behind it, having a little bit of, of extra of extra kick behind it. As he goes for the for the tombstone, still Mr. WrestleMania capable of fighting out there. Hard chop to the chest and another one. Look at the Undertaker's chest, it's red raw. Tenacity again, relentlessness. Sean's big downfall here, Mr. WrestleMania's big downfall, is basically running into the wall time and time again instead of trying to find a different way around it. You know, he sticks to his game plan, he keeps taking the fight to The Undertaker. But he doesn't seem to be able to come up with any alternatives. His his famous ability to improvise is seemingly robbed from him. And a testament to how the streak turns even the most able of competitors in the ring into uh, into paragons of desperation and, and strips them of even their most fiercest self. Little shadow there again as he draws on experience of WrestleMania 12, the night that he made his boyhood dream come true, is the night his Mr. WrestleMania dream comes shattering to its deathly conclusion as the streak devours its 17th victim. But the story doesn't end here. As both men lay prone on the canvas in an image that would be called upon again in more harrowing fashion in the chapters still to come. Just keep letting this thing play out a little while longer yet, folks. Like I say, all this... What would normally be window dressing is as important a part of the story as anything else. And there you see the streak and Mr. WrestleMania lying side by side in practically a mirror image of one another. In the same way they started as mirror images of one another. Except for this time, the difference is The Undertaker still rises. And that theme of vanity here 
already begins to come into play, as Shawn Michaels' own vanity that saw him unduly enter with supreme confidence, that melted into desperation and transformed into righteous fury, showed that actually he was doomed to lose this match from the very beginning. The Undertaker started the match rising from the depths, and he ends the match rising from the depths. Shawn Michaels started the match descending from his self-anointed heavens, and he ends the match lying back first, very much descended from his self-anointed heavens. That symmetry is a thing of beauty, and will continue to play some part in the small moments still to come as we continue on down this journey. Just going through the replays here. I mean, even the slap on that sweet chin music. Again, just that extra little bit of something-something there. And the Undertaker kicking out there. And you can hear JR saying the dead man refused to lose, but it isn't that. It's not that the dead man refused to lose. It's that the streak wouldn't let him. The streak is this insurmountable, indomitable thing. And the Undertaker staggering his hair a black mane. And there's the victorious image of the dead man on one knee. The moon above him, 17-0 in the background, bathed in purple light. And the streak, which for so long had been something that The Undertaker didn't really talk about. This is where he starts to take pride in it. And you can understand why. Mr. WrestleMania, the tallest challenge that ever faced it. The only force up to this point capable of matching it. And the streak still won out. You know, it's, it's, of course, he's going to begin to get prideful after that achievement. Sean started seeking achievement for achievement's sake in the hope of gaining immortality. What he did was simply catalyzed that same notion inside of The Undertaker's own mentality. And as it brought Sean Michaels to his undoing here, we will see in future chapters it also bring The Undertaker to his own undoing. I said for a long time that the streak ended years before it ended, and we're going to see that part of the story um, next week in one of the two matches that we see next week as The Undertaker leaves, and seeing as I guess we're getting a shot of Evander Holyfield there, that's time. Let's let's shut WrestleMania 25 down there. We'll leave it there as we jump back to JR and Jerry Lawler and Michael Cole. That's going to wrap us up for that first chapter. I want you to bear in mind all the stuff that I've talked about. Bear in mind some of the imagery that we saw in the match and some of the, the, the specific shots that I pointed out. And I'm going to take us to an advert break here. And when we come back, I'll be discussing the pre-match hype package for WrestleMania 26's rematch between Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. And then we'll launch straight into that one in this special feature-length edition of this pre-WrestleMania Sports Entertainment is Dead. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Stick with me, folks, because we're an hour in and we're only halfway there. Okay, welcome back once again. 
I say once again, welcome back. Um, thanks for sticking with the show, folks. We're going to move now on to WrestleMania 26, one year later. And obviously this was a, a, a rematch that was built up for some time since the preceding December, I think. And Sean had entered the Royal Rumble to try and get a hold of The Undertaker, eventually cost The Undertaker the World Heavyweight Championship to force the issue, as Michael Cole says uh, on commentary, which is a nice way of framing it, I think. And so you immediately, before we even get to the match, have this escalating situation, that theme of vanity that was so prescient at WrestleMania uh, 25. Uh, here only escalates even further as we see uh, Shawn Michaels' vanity from the year before become outright obsession. He knows he's so confident that he can beat The Undertaker, even after having been beaten, even after having had that sort of uh, almost spiritual encounter the year before. He's so certain he could still beat him that it's become something of a dark obsession. As before, I'm going to just share a few thoughts about the, the pre-match hype package and other sterling production from WWE. And it's a, it's a package that immediately starts off by um, demonst- producing or presenting, I suppose would be the right word, highlights of their... Uh, immediately immortal match from the year before highlights of their match at WrestleMania 25 and they they it's presented in a in a in an almost ethereal manner they they're sort of shown to be distant memories of a mythology a mythologized dream almost and so already in this ongoing story that's going to last for for another 2 years after this match you have uh, events entering that monolithic territory that sense of mythos uh returning once again to that sense of wrestling high fantasy that i was touching on during their wrestlemania 25 match uh, and certainly of epic um and what you see is that 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 mindset of mr wrestlemania here had had darkened it had warped uh you know through the stuff that sean says in this this video package the presentation of it you could tell that the if mr wrestlemania is an idea if it's a mindset then that mindset has darkened considerably over the preceding year and why that's interesting is because that immediately changes the tone of the WrestleMania 25 match from being smug in a way and I and I say that because the characters at WrestleMania 25 were both smug you know in their confidence it goes from being smug to desperate uh, and I think that that if anything makes this rematch even more compelling um and the fact that Mr WrestleMania that mindset has led Sean to believe that his loss at 25 was down to a single mistake, as he phrases it. Phrases it shows that he fails even even a year on, even after a year of obsessing over that loss. He fails to see that really this mission statement was a lost cause before it ever started, because Mr. WrestleMania and the streak have already clashed, and it wasn't so much about making one mistake as it was about those augmented states I keep talking about, um, and through the exhaustiveness of their confrontation at WrestleMania 25, it had already been proven without a doubt that even though Mr. WrestleMania could give the streak a run for its money, it couldn't defeat the streak. And so immediately you have a, a, a fatalism about this rematch and an and a inevitability about the ending, which I think we all felt for, diff- for, for you know sports entertainment-driven reasons at the time. People were obsessed over, oh, they wouldn't make it a career match if Sean was going to win. But aside from that, if you, again... 
remembering spots like Timmy's dead, of course. If you delve into the fiction here, it, how tragic is that? That we can all see that Mr. WrestleMania was doomed, but that his obsession wouldn't let him see anything else, including when his friend Triple H tried to convince him in the run-up to WrestleMania that there were other matches he could have. Um, and then, of course, the streak sort of escalates matters once the world title has been robbed of, of The Undertaker because of this obsession. Uh, the Undertaker demands Sean put his career on the line to end this once and for all the streak sees an opportunity perhaps the undertaker sees an opportunity to kill off uh, the the persistent danger of an adaptive wrestlemania you know there's a danger going into this for the streak that maybe mr wrestlemania's figured out a trick maybe he's figured out how to adapt maybe he's been able to assess that that you know in in films and stories where you always have and and in real life to be fair you always have the idea in, in a battle of one general simply testing the defences of another before committing to a full-scale attack. Maybe The Undertaker feels that's what Sean was doing at WrestleMania 25, just probing those defences. So he, he he pounces on this opportunity. Perhaps he sees the obsessive nature that Mr. WrestleMania is, has developed. Um, but what's telling in the VT is that it emphasises the fact that Sean believes... If he can't beat the Undertaker at WrestleMania, then he has no career, and that's hugely that hugely contrasts with the VT from WrestleMania 25, in which Mr. WrestleMania actively flaunted his career achievements as the reason why he was such a threat to breaking the streak. Here, the rhetoric has shifted. Now, those achievements are nothing. They mean absolutely nothing. This is how far. Uh, his mindset has darkened, and what's more, where the year before he talked about how he had victory over death, hell, and the grave, here his mindset has shifted to nothing lasts forever, nothing. You get a real sense of a almost a, a, an exorcism of hope from the defeat the year before, and Mr. WrestleMania has sunk into this this obsessive, dark... Uh, morbid mindset that is driving him off a cliff edge uh, and we're moving as a result inexorably towards the theme of mortality that becomes so pertinent in in the in the final two chapters of this story so all that stuff you could pick out of the the vt package as before i'm gonna now uh, just pause the show for a second you go away watch that vt package uh, bearing in mind the stuff that we're talking about here uh, and then when you are done come back to the show i am paused on time index three hours 12 minutes and 55 seconds um sean and the undertaker facing off in op- on from opposite sides the year before if you remember the vt for 25 ends with sean on the left undertaker on the right here undertaker's on the right sean's on the left and that's because this time the undertaker is the hunter he is the one who is being proactive about bringing in greater threat than the uh, compared to Shawn Michaels being in that role the year before. Plus, you get that symbolism of this being uh, a mirror image, a distorted image, if you will, of what they've already been to. But I I digress. Three hours, 12 minutes, 55 seconds. When you've watched the VT, come back, and I will get yourself paused on that time index, and I will count it down. Okay. So, I will press play on the word go. Five, four, three, two, one and go so again just like last time there's probably going to be some pauses as i uh, struggle to <laughs> to think of things to say in some of the matches uh, quite a moments especially during these entrances um but i mean immediately by the way you know wrestlemania 25 obviously started off with sean descending from the heavens and and sort of almost mocking The Undertaker's mind games in a sense. And here is, it's very different. Um, Here, obviously, Sean comes out. And note the ring gear. 
It's the same ring gear as the year before. I believe even the same pattern as the year before. It's the same design the year before with the weird kind of bib thing that he's got on. But where last year it was white and bronze, this year it's black and white. Almost reflecting that the fact this had become a black and white issue for Mr. WrestleMania, but also having that sense of 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 mortality. Black, obviously, um, you know, a colour synonymous with death, uh, and we are about to see, as we know in retrospect, very much the death of Mr. WrestleMania. And one wonders what there may be, if anything, in the fact that Sean this year has dispensed with the mind games, has dispensed with the theatricality, has dispensed with what I said with the WrestleMania 25 match, The Undertaker might have seen as almost des- desperate, aimless kind of scrambling around. If anything, the precision focus here is even greater than it was at WrestleMania 25. And that's saying something. When you think about how far Shawn Michaels drove The Undertaker, how far Mr. WrestleMania threatened the streak the year before, and we're going to see that play out in the match, which has, I think, this time around a lot more urgency as the action unfolds compared to the year before. Shawn there dancing and prancing in the ring, his initials hanging above, the usual pose... Very little in the way of pyro. It's a very straightforward entrance. Shawn Michaels is here to get down to business. He's not here to play around. This is no longer a laughing matter. This is no longer a matter of anything other than the utmost seriousness. For utmost seriousness, uh, I'll say that again, for, uh, for HBK. Okay, guys, let's hurry up. Deep breath uh, from Sean. Last year he stood still as stone in the middle of the ring, eyes fixed on the entrance. And this year, look, he's almost soaking in the environment around him. He's even—he's not even for a moment there. He wasn't even looking. Um, and he eventually adopts the pose that he had at WrestleMania 25. But it's like he has to steal himself for the cause this time. Not sure what that might mean, but you know, if you have any thoughts, do share them with me plug to the means by which the the, the start of the, the podcast that you could do that the best way is at LOP plan on Twitter and this year this time around the second match the Undertaker whereas Sean has dispensed with the theatricality the Undertaker maintains it the same entrance as last year except for this time it's almost like you know how with the WrestleMania 25 match I was pointing out that so much of the action had that little extra punch behind it, that little extra strength, almost like a sentence underlined? Well, it's like The Undertaker's underlining his entrance this time because it's it's got the same theatricality, comes up from beneath the, the stage from the underworld, but he isn't dressed traditionally. He's dressed in an executioner's hood. And it's fairly obvious symbolism. It's fairly obvious imagery. But it's effective nonetheless, especially considering, as I said, the fact that we all know this was a doomed cause for Sean before he even started on this second journey, or the second chapter of this journey. The Undertaker, the the streak-augmented Undertaker, must have known this was a doomed cause for Sean before he started as well. Maybe that's even why he's come dressed appropriately for the occasion. Perhaps this isn't so much... Uh, a threat uh, or a mind game as it is a somber recognition of the of the 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 
undesirable task, the bloody task that he has in front of him. Because you just know, you just know, where Sean's confidence has devolved into obsession. What's interesting as this narrative progresses, um, you know, I was about to say you just know that the Undertaker's confidence is is almost flatlined in a way. It's it's consistent, but but that's led me actually to a fresh thought, which is, it's almost like I don't think that's true because it's almost like these two character arcs are running directly opposite. It's like an X. They crossed over last year, and now the supreme confidence they both had the previous year for Sean has devolved into obsession. For the Undertaker is devolving into vanity of his own. The Undertaker has absolutely no doubt in his mind that he's going to win this match. He's come dressed as an executioner, as I said, perhaps because he feels um, an inevitability about the result of this and that he is almost dressing appropriately for this undesirable and bloody-handed task that he has to carry out. That he knows is not going to be popular. You know, Shawn Michaels, he's the Undertaker's not a fool. He knows that Mr. WrestleMania has a backing, a following, that there are going to be people here in this audience, in this arena, in this gladiatorial coliseum that want to see Mr. WrestleMania bring an end to the streak. And it, nor does the, the, the Undertaker take this Mr. WrestleMania version of Shawn Michaels lightly. He is very aware of how perilously close he came to defeat the preceding year, but he's also very aware of the fact that it's only three seconds that ultimately count in a wrestling match, and those three seconds belonged to him. That cold, piercing stare down in the middle of the ring, and much to Shawn's, uh, much to Shawn's uh, credit, you know he stood. He still looks unimpressed as he did the year before. But like I said, this year it was telling that he almost had to steal himself for that. Look how red-faced the Undertaker is there. Crazy. Um, Sean almost had to steal himself to get into this mindset, and so you already get a sense of there having to be a little bit of extra effort. You know, is there a part of him that secretly knows this is this is over? And look, this last year they stood on opposite ends of the ring. They were immediately ready for combat. This year you can tell it's become more personal because they go nose, almost nose to nose, face to face. Both this is posturing. This is what this is what posturing looks like. It's not always taunting. It's not always trash talk. Sometimes it is just a stare down in the middle of the ring. I love that little moment, Sean. I think Sean does know that this is almost a lost cause, and it shows how desperate he's become, how all or nothing a situation this is for him. The way he said that he has no career if if uh, if he can't beat The Undertaker, because that cutthroat, he knows how dangerous that is. He's coming at this almost with reckless abandon compared to the preceding year where he was on the defensive immediately, kind of ducking and diving this year. He's taking the fight right to The Undertaker. Reckless abandon, and just like the year before, you get that extra little something-something on the back of The Undertaker's primary moves. The urgency's already there. Look, they're not messing around. We've gone straight into snake eyes. We didn't see that for a good 10 minutes at WrestleMania 25. And look how the Undertaker's had to quicken his ring game this year. There's no, there's no playing around this year. There's no, you know, he has to respond in kind. Mr. WrestleMania is such a threat to the streak that if he comes out all guns blazing, then the streak is going to have to respond all guns blazing. And Sean, Sean, look how frantic he is. His body language, his recklessness, his, I called it reckless abandon. You know, it's scrappy and it's uncoordinated and it's imprecise. Uh, this is not the same polished and and almost, I mean, this is making the WrestleMania 25 Mr. WrestleMania look almost cautious, almost too cautious, if anything. And already we're seeing a goozle, already we're moving towards a choke slam. We're what? We're less than, 
less than three minutes old on this match and Sean immediately he's going after the Undertaker's been favouring that leg and Sean notices that and just like the year before begins to target it so look at one punch one punch that's what the streak does is sends you flying across the ring on a single punch Sean face first into the turnbuckle the reckless abandon, I mean, essentially what you're seeing in these first few minutes is the inevitability of the result of this match. Sean has come into this with scrappy abandon, with with a with an imprecise, all-or-nothing desperation. Uh, and already he's he's falling into traps, he's finding himself falling into, into moves and trademarks from The Undertaker that the preceding year he was very careful to try and avoid, very careful to try and counter. But it's interesting seeing how The Undertaker is almost becoming frantic in response. You know, it's almost like he's been been panicked by a rabid dog. You know that feeling you get, dog starts barking at you, sometimes you're not sure how to react and you kind of just freeze and get all a bit kind of, you know, inside your own head for a second. I wonder whether that's what we're seeing with The Undertaker. And a feint for a sweet chair music. I'm not entirely certain that was designed to land. I think that was much how we saw very early on last year. You know that moment where he tilts on the foot. I think that was a. I think that was something of a of a feint there from from Shawn Michaels. A, a sort of a Napoleonic uh, tease to try and lure the enemy into a into a certain mindset. And again, Shawn, you know, focusing on on the knee, just stomping away. It no attempt at a submission. You know, it's very straightforward from Sean here. This is a Mr. WrestleMania. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna pick on any single even the slightest sign from the Undertaker of weakness or vulnerability or a chink in the army, he's gonna pick it apart because you know that's I called him a you know, I used that uh, metaphor of a rabid or simile of a rabid dog a few moments ago, and I think that's what we're gonna see Sean play out as here um and it seems to you know it's almost like that's going to get under the undertaker's skin i keep calling mr wrestlemania a mindset and the streak and augmentation but essentially on a, on a more literal level you can interpret that as the streak being a mindset as well the notion that a placebo effect the notion that the undertaker can fight harder and stronger on on wrestlemania night uh, and if if he's being panicked one wonders how that's going to then uh, reveal itself and uh, obviously, it may it may, as I say, get under his skin. Nice, nice callback a few moments ago there to the to the WrestleMania 25 moment. Interesting that Shawn Michaels didn't bait the Undertaker in as he might have done, where he's still in that WrestleMania 25 mindset. Instead, he he decided to keep the attack up on the knee, decided to countermand it. He's not prepared to let the Undertaker fall on his own sword this year. He wants he wants to beat the Undertaker. He wants the agency of being able to say, I beat the Undertaker. And not for people to be able to say, you know, this is not a Shawn Michaels who's going to take a count-out victory this year, I don't think. This is a Shawn Michaels who, as I say, you've had you've seen that vanity devolve into obsession, and in response, the Undertaker's own confidence is devolving into vanity in the wake of that. And maybe that's why the Undertaker perhaps isn't being too cautious in showing signs of weakness with the knee. Who knows? Who knows? This is just one interpretation, of course. And again, you know, if you have alternate readings on what you're seeing, if you're disagreeing with what I'm saying and seeing this as something else, I'd love to hear what you think. So don't hesitate to get in contact. Just filling a little bit of time here as the Undertaker cradling that leg. Look at the damage that's already been done. To to have driven the Undertaker at this point this early on 
that he's falling to his knees after a leg drop and panting for breath, you have that same sense of an immediately superlative uh, uh, level of competition in this match. You know, wrestling to the level 1,000 is a crude way of saying it. You know, everything's augmented, everything has... Uh, everything's a bit more painful, has a bit more strength behind it. And again, just the body language here, the 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 way that they're competing, you know, Sean just tackling the Undertaker down to the ground. You know, it's not pretty, it's not flamboyant. Sean Michaels, of course, a man who was known for flamboyance, whose career was built, especially during the new generation era, on the back of flamboyance. He was the epitome of flamboyance. But there's nothing flamboyant here. Instead, Sean dressed in black and white, just tackling the Undertaker to the ground in the unprettiest of fashions after having entered into this match with reckless abandon. Again, that obsessive, rabid mindset. And the Undertaker, look at that expression on his face. The fury. That wasn't just anger, that was fury. Maybe fueled by frustration, maybe fueled by panic, maybe fueled by both in equal degree. There's no denying Shawn Michaels here gives The Undertaker what for in his final match. This is not a route. This is this is a, a close-run thing. And Shawn Michaels quickly fighting his way out of the reversed figure four. I do love a reverse figure four, by the way. Great spot. Great, great move. Figure four's awesome. It's a it's a slower pace as well. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's a slower pace, but it isn't slower because of caution. It's a curious mix because in one sense they've 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 completely stripped down the the sense of a wrestling match this time around. And they've stripped down the the that that ordinary content of the first match. And yet instead of the pace picking up as a result of it just being a fight, just being a scrap that has wrestling moves in it, uh, somehow the pace is slowed at the same time, which is a you know makes it a fascinating article in that respect. Um, and I do, I, I, th- it's it's the it's the scratchier, the 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 more feral tone to this one that I think I has me preferring it to their WrestleMania 25 match. And Sean again, you know WrestleMania 25, he drew on all of his experiences at Wrist WrestleMania. That sense is a lot less prominent this time around. You're seeing the same kinds of moves, and look at that. Sean Michaels kips up straight into a choke slam. That's a fantastic little moment there. Whether that's the flamboyance of Mr. WrestleMania getting the better of him, or whether that's just a... Because if you watched, if you ever come to watch this again, what you'll find with that moment, and I'm gutted I didn't call it, is that The Undertaker just staggers to his feet, and they almost stumble into that moment. There's an element of bad luck for for uh, Mr. WrestleMania in that little moment there. And also a, a, a predatory opportunism uh, that... that pushes The Undertaker into very quickly thinking on his feet. Again, you have that sense of the streak augmenting his his instincts, augmenting his reaction times, and he, enabled, he, he landed that chokeslam. But look, it's not like that chokeslam is made a big deal of. Sean straight up, he's got Undertaker in ankle lock, shades of his match with uh, Kurt Angle at WrestleMania 21, so you still have that experience of Mr. WrestleMania coming to the fore, though it, I think it uh, feels a little less... Little less uh, Obviously a game plan here and a little bit more instinctive because of that feral tone I keep talking about, because of the animalistic, scrappy sense to this one that isn't overstated. 
You know, a lot of times matches can overstate that kind of thing, especially in WWE where it's so heavy-handed and they seem to underestimate perennially the ability of the audience to read into metaphor, maybe with uh, plenty of uh, reason to. But nonetheless, you know, the it's the the tone of this is is so belligerent and just so nasty. And you take a slamming his foot across Sean's jaw. What we're going to see in the next match, incidentally, with uh, with Triple H as this story again progresses, is um, uh, that that arc I'm talking about about the Undertaker's confidence becoming vanity that really comes uh, of age the next year at WrestleMania 27. And you're seeing not a lot of it in the actual action here, more in the way that the Undertaker carried himself. Uh, heading into the match um, once it starts boiling down. I mean, again, look, it's slower paced. It's a bit more winded. It's a little less polished. It's less Kevin Dunnish, I guess you could say. And look at that. The Undertaker catches him. And if we're talking about a predatory tone, if we're talking about great agency, if we're talking about a scrappier or more hostile environment, then this moment right here, a tombstone on the outside, first of all, great little moment. But also, the preceding year, The Undertaker was content to simply sidestep Sean and let him swat himself on the floor like a fly. Whether it's because The Undertaker knows that Mr. WrestleMania is capable of more than he perhaps gave him credit for the preceding year, or whether it's just because he's annoyed at the fact that he's been goaded into this by Shawn Michaels and that once again he's in this situation that perhaps he feels he's already put to arrest the year before. Whichever one of those it may be, and it may indeed be a bit of both, I love the fact that this time The Undertaker knew that he had to take the opportunity that that moment presented, and instead of allowing Sean to crash and burn and maybe do himself damage, The Undertaker catches him and makes sure to drive the point home that this is it, that this is the end for Sean, and he does it with a tombstone to the outside. So again, you've got a greater sense of forward motion, a greater sense of agency, a greater sense of active hostility to this, including the way that The Undertaker just tosses the medic aside and says, no, we ain't stopping this kiddo. This is an escalating situation that's on the verge of getting out of control. It will become out of control the preceding year. The fact that Sean kicks out of that, and that this time The Undertaker, look at his reaction, it isn't wide-eyed, it isn't in awe like it was the preceding year when he tombstoned Sean in the ring. You know, this is a worse tombstone than the one he dealt out first in, at WrestleMania 25 that got the wide-eyed reaction. This time, it's just exasperation, he just sits up, he flicks his hair back, and he it's almost... And this is going to become so powerful when we come to watch WrestleMania 27 next year. There's almost a sense from The Undertaker of him wishing Sean wasn't going to drive him to the extremes that he knows he's being driven to. And we're going to see that story flipped when we get to WrestleMania 27. So do keep that in mind, particularly as we continue to progress through this, that The Undertaker doesn't want to be driven to the to the, to the the ends that Sean's driving him to, though he is more than prepared, more than prepared to do that if necessary. And Sean... I, Sean countering the last ride into an X-Factor of all things is just wonderful, isn't it? All you, uh, all you Sean Waltman fans out there should love that one, I'm sure. And Sean climbing to the top. And it's a lot less staggered. It's a lot less... Clumsy, it's a lot less exhausted than the preceding year. You get a sense that these two have definitely adapted uh, and grown uh, harder dispositions for 
the experience of WrestleMania 25 with each other. If anything, only further augmenting their already augmented states uh, on this one night of the year. And The Undertaker knew that was coming. The Undertaker knew what was happening. You know, the old playing possum vibe. They're so familiar. The preceding match, WrestleMania 25, was such an exhausting war. You almost get it. Watching these back-to-back particularly, the slower tone, the scrappier sensation, you could almost imagine this match just, just being a second half hour to WrestleMania 25. Like, they just... It wasn't a year later. They just carried on wrestling for another 30 minutes. And this was the result. You you know, you could easily envision that being the case. This really is very much one single story. I love the urgency in that moment there where Sean countered the Hell's Gate immediately into an attempted pinfall. You know, again... There's no messing around here. There's no fat. It's trimmed of all the of all the gamesmanship. There's no gamesmanship at all, you know. And there's sweet chin music out of nowhere again. You know, this is it's it's such a curiosity this match because it is generally very slow paced. It's very deliberately paced. Yet the way that the content is structured, the way that the the moves happen when they happen, makes it feel urgent makes it feel more urgent than the faster paced match they wrestled the year before so from a from a purely content driven perspective forgetting the the story you know it's it it's a hell of an achievement in its own right because it's a it's a character study dressed up as an action movie and i really love that and listen to the crowd if you can you know listen to that the crowd are not happy about what they're seeing Oh, I beg your pardon, actually. They would count along with it. That's what you get for having two, having an earphone in one ear and a headphone on the other. They were counting along with it. Last ride. But will it be his last? No, it is not. Don't forget, by the way, Shawn Michaels' career. There's that image again. Look. We're going to see that repeated time and again through this story. The Undertaker lying exasperated, strewn across the bottom rope. Though not quite with the the frustration, the 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 uh, lack of purpose that he showed when he almost panicked in a frenzy uh, and leaned across the bottom rope. And there, look at that look there, that expression in his eyes. And these little moments, these little contrasts in body language, again are indicative of how last year... The Undertaker had confidence. This year he has vanity. This year he is certain he's going to win. Uh, and it's just a matter of time. And instead of leaning against that bottom rope, strewn across it out of panic and frustration, it's just out of impa- a lack of patience. It's impatience. It's just like, when is this going to be over? I'm, it's almost like he's bored. It's almost like The Undertaker is bored with this now. And that's a fascinating uh fascinating thing to consider and again keep that image in mind that symbolism in mind of of him uh, that tableau in mind of him leaning across the bottom rope it's going to really come into its own as we move into the the next two installments of this story in my podcast next week as the undertaker now begins stripping the table again events escalating here this isn't a match it's a fight and it's not a fight in that pretentious ufc sense it's a fight isn't it's a scrap it's two men in the mud punching one another till they're bloody this is fight club stuff i don't like fight club but i can appreciate the kind of tone that that comparison might invoke (laughs) 
Now, I paused there so you could hear Cole, who repeated what The Undertaker told Shawn Michaels, that he was going to end this right here, right now. Again, you're, that sense of impatience, that sense of... There's absolutely no doubt in The Undertaker's mind that he's going to win this. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of what he's going to have to go through to get to that point first. It's like he's waiting it out, waiting out this this war and battling it almost like a like a, a, a robot in a sense. Uh, and it's it, it, as the match is progressing, it's becoming more and more um, an enterprise of vanity for The Undertaker as he continues to get increasingly angry at how Shawn Michaels is proving so tenacious, even though The Undertaker knows that tenacity is in vain. Shawn's hit a switch of music. The Undertaker's on the table. Shawn about to nail a moonsault onto the legs that he's been focusing on nonetheless. And look at Sean, he's straight up. All the kind of stuff we'd usually see from Sean where he'd like, you know, he'd be bloody-faced and desperate and pulling himself up by the barricade and all that sort of stuff. He's immediately on his feet, throwing his fists in the air. You know, it's almost like he's... he's he, it's almost like he knows at this point he's already on borrowed time. Since the tombstone on the outside, it's like he knows he's on borrowed time. Um, and now he's sort of just... just it's like this. I don't know if you've ever seen the third Matrix film. I really like the third Matrix film. It's where all the guys are in the big machines, and this dude does a, a speech before all the Sentinels come and attack them, and he says, "If it's our time to die, it's our time to die, but we'll give them hell before we do." I get that sense with with Sean here. Like he at this point, he knows that it's just a matter of time that this is a losing effort for him, but he's going to give the Undertaker hell before he he goes out. And maybe there's a little part of him, a little part of that obsession that still thinks he can. He could pull this out, but I think the greater part of his mentality at this point is accepting, even on a subconscious level. As Sean, again, that greater agency. Sean isn't waiting around for a countout. I think maybe this is a no countouts match, thinking back now. Perhaps that's one reason, but I do like the idea that he's not prepared to accept it, even if it is a thing or not, um, that he wants to beat The Undertaker in the middle of the ring, and that's why you're seeing this greater urgency, this greater agency. That's a, a switch in music, a moonsault through the table, a second switch in music. On the night, I thought this was it. On the night, I thought The Undertaker had lost. Um, and that was it was such a convincing moment, that moment which is a testament to the story that they're telling. And look at Sean's anguish. Head in the hands. You know, he's practically on the verge of tears. Practically on the verge of tears with this. I think I think probably Mr. WrestleMania does know that this is over. I think at this point he probably does know that this, is a, a, that this deal is signed off and in the bag. Because look at that expression. You can't tell me that's an expression of vanity or confidence or even of the reckless abandon with which Sean started this match. At this point, it's almost like it's it's starting to end the same way it started. It started with Sean chasing an achievement for an achievement's sake. It's ending with him fighting for fighting's sake. And again, you get that idea of symmetry that we saw with the final image of the VT before the match. And the Undertaker dodges the switch in music. I mean, the the fact that the Undertaker's still going, the fact that that choke slam was was a little higher and a little harder than it normally is, the fact that the Undertaker's already back on his feet after everything he's been through, even though he's he's struggling. Look, he's struggling, but he is back up. He's still moving at a pace. That is testament to the power of the streak, to what the streak facilitates in the Phenom, facilitates in the Undertaker. And again, you get that that urgency in spite of a slow pace. It's just. It's quite incredible.
And the Undertaker now about to drive Shawn Michaels in what is, I mean, that's almost the same exact position as WrestleMania 25. And again, Shawn kicks out. And look, look at the Undertaker. Wide-eyed the year before in amazement. This year, wide-eyed and grimacing, almost clenching his teeth, sneering. The Undertaker doesn't not know if he can do this. The Undertaker knows he's going to do this. He's just getting increasingly annoyed at the fact that Shawn Michaels is taking more and more and more time to be done. It's almost like The Undertaker is angry at Shawn Michaels uh, denying him o- his own self the dignity of going out without a fight, of going out with his head held high. It's like sh- The Undertaker feels Shawn Michaels, that what Shawn is doing is beneath him. Beneath Shawn, not beneath Undertaker, but beneath Shawn. Which is a fascinating emotional complexity to layer on top of this. I think that there was a lack of respect that was evident, I think, through WrestleMania 25. And I get the impression that lack of respect was at its height at the start of this match. But it's interesting that it's it's starting to grow. You know, it's an upward curve. And it's it's starting to 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 really flourish that sense of mutual respect, I think. And these final moments here. Oh, I say final moments. I think probably got got a good ten minutes left yet. I'm not sure. And look at that. You know, there's no relish now in what the Undertaker wants to do. He's he's sort of. He's like, are you serious? What are you doing? Are you really going to crawl? Are you really going to do this? Even now, at the, the streak at this point has diluted Mr. WrestleMania into nothing other than just tepid emptiness. Um, And The Undertaker, this is such a powerful image for reasons we'll see in the next episode. Sean clawing his way up The Undertaker, The Undertaker shouting, stay down. And Sean ends it the same way he started it. And The Undertaker, look, that same anger, that same impatience. He's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And it's such a fitting end. It's such a symbolic end that Shawn Michaels would end his career slapping The Undertaker. Because The Undertaker, if anything, is the prime representation in WWE of pro wrestling traditionalism, isn't he? He is a unique point of kayfabe in a post-kayfabe world. He is uh, a symbol of respect. He is a symbol of tradition, of the old school way of doing things. And Shawn Michaels, as The Undertaker's music rings out here, Shawn Michaels is very much a symbol of everything that The Undertaker isn't. Shawn Michaels is a symbol of challenging the status quo. Shawn Michaels is a symbol of undermining tradition, of spitting in the face of tradition, of slapping tradition in the face in the way Shawn Michaels just slapped The Undertaker in the face. It's such a metaphorically fitting conclusion for Shawn Michaels' career to end the way it ended with him slapping. And just again, you know, The Undertaker jumping up, it's, it's, a, it's a hammy little moment, but it's, it's there to silently re-emphasize that's why it's that tombstone that finishes it. And The Undertaker allows himself an uncharacteristic moment of 
vulnerability as he lies exhausted on top of Shawn Michaels to end things with. And again, we're going to see a very perverted contrast of that in the next episode when we begin to look at the matches wrestled between The Undertaker and Triple H in the years following these first two chapters of this four-chapter tetralogy. The Undertaker has absolutely no desire to maintain any sense of image here. Look, he's it's like the streak's done its done its job and now it's gone and it's left the Undertaker exhausted and barely able to stand, jelly legged. You know, it's it's like it's possessed him and it's left his body and the Undertaker is now feeling the effect almost as if you know, a, a, a non-WrestleMania Undertaker has reasserted himself wondering what the hell just happened. I could easily imagine in this wrestling high fantasy that WrestleMania is like a blackout for everyday Undertaker, where Streak Undertaker takes over. And there you get the, the traditional the traditional celebration. Keep that image in mind as well, particularly for the WrestleMania 27 match. The Undertaker celebrating the number on the screen, 18-0, the fireworks going off. Uh, very much there's the big shot of the stadium look. Uh, pyro, fireworks again. Um, it's a very celebratory image. Uh, a high for The Undertaker at the end of a major show. And again, it's going to be a huge contrast what we see the following year. And from this point on, there's not much more left to say, to be honest. Um, we're going to see The Undertaker pull Shawn Michaels to his feet. And I think that's probably... I've always saw that as an out-of-universe moment. Because in the years that would follow in the build-up to the Triple H matches, The Undertaker would almost relish mocking Shawn Michaels. So I'm not sure, even though there's a modicum of respect that's been built into these two encounters between one another, I'm not sure it's there entirely because The Undertaker was very quick to disrespect Shawn in the build-up to the two WrestleMania matches. I wonder instead, given the stuff that I've been saying as we've gone through this match, whether this is The Undertaker who, throughout the match seemed to believe Sean was acting in a way that was beneath him, beneath Sean's own legacy, that Sean was embarrassing himself almost. So I wonder how much of this is The Undertaker believing he's doing Sean Michaels a favour, something he didn't need to do, by lifting Sean Michaels up, shaking his hand, giving him a hug, and uh, sort of almost giving Sean a vestige of pride to be able to go out with, considering the almost embarrassing desperation with which Sean had been possessed throughout the match itself, which you believe is probably now ebbing its way, almost like a, a, a hangover after a drunken haze. Or maybe, you know, maybe it's that, um, or maybe I was right, maybe it is sort of just a quick out-of-universe moment. Again, I'd, I'd be interested in, in hearing your thoughts, or maybe it is genuine respect, and that the disrespect shown in future years is more just uh, a mind game who knows again you know wrestling's performance art is all about interpretation and reading things the way that you want to read them and understanding that artistic achievement is secondary to authorial intent and what i've tried to show throughout this podcast and what i will try to throw show throughout next week's podcast will be the uh, will be that that idea in motion how to interpret the little elements in matches, the symmetry in matches, the callbacks, the refrains, the VTs, the lines of commentary, what entrances mean, what the gear might mean, what can be read into things that you would normally just pass off as, as window dressing and pay no heed to. Um, that's what wrestling's performance art encourages. That's why you can get so much more out of it, especially in this day and age where WWE's own product is so ultimately dire. And 
what a nice shot there. Sean's on his knees. I think I'm basically just going to stop the, the podcast there, folks. Stop the show there because really there's not much left to say. As I say, Sean would sort of just walk out of the arena. JR, Jerry Lawler would say uh, thank you or goodbye or something along those lines anyway. Um, and um, yeah, and that's that's it. That's the end of the first two chapters of this tetralogy where we've seen Sean start off as being quite vain, living life on cloud nine, believing that he has death over victory, hell and the grave, and knowing that he can beat the streak with absolute certainty that he carries into the match at WrestleMania 25, fueled by his vanity. Uh, We've seen what happened at WrestleMania 25 when the augmented state of the streak undertaker uh, wrestled the augmented state of Mr. WrestleMania Shawn Michaels, the gamesmanship involved in that match, the supreme confidence of both competitors in that match. We've seen what happened after. We've seen what happened when uh, Sean was faced with the fact that Mr. WrestleMania wasn't enough to break the streak and how that festered into a dark obsession that warped his mindset and we saw how that then led to the reckless abandon of his game of his complete absence of gamesmanship at WrestleMania 26 where the Undertaker uh, seemed to take on the role of vanity where his own supreme confidence transformed into vanity itself And he showed no signs of doubt, no signs of anxiety, instead only increasing signs of rageful impatience as Shawn Michaels did himself the indignity of becoming more desperate in a bid to do something that was a failed crusade from the moment that he decided to do it. That is the story of the first two halves of the... uh, The first two halves? The first two quarters of this tetralogy that sees Shawn Michaels go from the vanity of supreme confidence to the recklessness with which he lived his career and indeed the same sort of uh the same sort of defiance that he forged his career on is the defiance with which he went out and what we're going to see in next week's installment is how then from this point on Triple H would enter the scene and the story would continue and escalate to even more dangerous physically violent ends that would really in my mind see the true end of the streak in spirit if not in literal terms but that's the story for next week I look forward to doing that I hope you've enjoyed this real-time watch-along with these two matches. It's a lot harder to do this with singles matches than it is Royal Rumbles. So if you have any feedback, again, on the, the, the show itself and how I've done it, then let that be known. Or if you have an alternative reading or any feedback on my own thoughts about these matches or anything of the sort, do make sure to let me know what they are. I plugged the means by which you could do that earlier, but I'll do it again here. You can hit me up on Twitter at LOP Plan. That's your best bet. Or you can find me on Facebook, Samuel Plan. Or you can hit me with a comment on lordsofpain.net and any of my posts there, whether it be a column or a podcast advertisement or you could sign up to LOP forums uh, and find me on there and maybe have a go at writing your own columns maybe just posting in some of the threads there we'd love to have you a part as a part of the best wrestling community on the internet um, or ultimately if you're old school you can always drop me an email as well samuel.plan101 at gmail.com Okay, well, that about does it for this week. As I say, next week we will continue this journey through the Tetralogy and we will look at the matches between The Undertaker and Triple H at WrestleMania 27 and WrestleMania 28. And the week after that, can you believe it? It is the WrestleMania alternative pre-show. That too is probably going to be an extra long edition, especially if the rumours that there's going to be 17 matches uh, on the card. 
uh, comes true. But uh, maybe I'll get someone in. Maybe I'll get a guest on to help me out. I've got a couple of names I might see if I can uh, wrangle onto the show. So keep your ears peeled for that as well. And in the meantime, check out all the great content on Lords of Pain, columns and podcasts alike. With that being said, I hope you have a good week and I will see you this time next Wednesday.